Chapter 7 of The Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island by Herbert Carter Chapter 7 On Heaving Waters Gee, pirates! Phew! That was only Bumpus talking to himself as he lay there on the deck and stared across the swelling water toward the black powerboat that was heading the other way, so as to cross their course. There were apparently several men in the strange boat, and as Giraffe had just remarked, they seemed to be more or less interested in the Chippeway Belle and her young crew, for every one of them was looking that way, and one man really had a pair of marine glasses up to his eyes. Thad dived into the interior of what was called the hunting cabin, and quickly reappeared bearing the glasses they had been wise enough to fetch along, as well as a compass whereby to steer. "'That's the ticket, Thad,' said Step Hen. "'Let em see they ain't the only pebbles on the beach. We've got a marine glass too. Now, tell us what you think. Are they really Lake Buccaneers?' And will we have to put up a desperate fight to keep from being robbed and sunk and perhaps made slaves? Bumpus gasped for breath at hearing such doleful things, but as Step Hen gave a quick glance towards the fat chum, possibly what he said was only meant to cause the other's flesh to quiver with dread. Oh, they don't seem to be altering their course in the least, spoke up Alan. And as for them watching us, who wouldn't stare on seeing a crowd of boys afloat up here on superior waters? I was thinking that our uniforms as scouts might make them sit up and take notice, said Giraffe. Perhaps they think we're U.S. soldiers, because the doughboys all wear this same khaki now instead of the old army blue. And in case they're real bold smugglers or pirates, that would give them cause for a scare. Do they look like they're ready to run away, Thad? Well, not any more than would be the case if they were honest cruisers, replied the other, as he handed the glasses to Alan, who in turn would pass them around. Seems to me one of them wears some kind of a blue cap, as though he might be an officer of some sort. Oh, don't count on that, spoke up Bumpus. Anybody can buy one like that. Ain't I got one right here in my duffel bag? But I hadn't found a chance to spring it on the rest of the bunch. They may be a tough lot, even if one does wear an officer's cap. Well, they're going right along about their own business, and don't seem to be changing their course a little bit, Alan said, as he passed the glasses to Giraffe. I'm glad to hear that, Bumpus admitted, breathing freely again, because, as you all know, I'm very much opposed to violence at any time. Though, he continued, I'd fight if I was hard-pushed and fight real fierce, too. We all know that, Bumpus, so there's no need of you apologising, Thad assured him, with a smile and a nod, for he was very fond of the stout chum. But when you said smugglers, what did you mean, Giraffe? questioned Step Hen. Oh, don't you know that they have heaps of trouble with such lawbreakers all along the Canadian border? demanded the tall boy. You see... There's a heavy duty on a lot of things that can come into Canada free or with only a small sum to pay, 
and whenever men can make money taking chances, they're just bound to try it. Why, I understand that millions of dollars are lost to the government every year just in the goods smuggled across the border all the way from Maine to the Pacific Ocean. Phew, and yonder craft might be one of the tricky boats engaged in that business. Is that what you mean, giraffe? asked Bumpus, again staring hard after the strange black powerboat, which was larger than the Chippeway Bell, and apparently much better able to meet the heavy seas that must sweep across the lake when the wind reached a certain strength. Oh, I don't say that, remember? quickly replied the other, because it's only a guess on my part, and I haven't anything to show for proof. I was just giving you the benefit of a bright thought that came into my brain, that's all. There may be something in it, and again, perhaps them fellows are just a pleasure party or some sportsmen heading for a favourite fishing place. Then if we followed them, we'd stand a show to find where the fish lie, suggested Bumpus, showing that at least he had not forgotten about his recent wager, even in the midst of all this excitement. Better mind your own business, I think, remarked Ellen. Yes, added Giraffe. If so be they turned out to be a bad lot, they'd think we get poking our noses in just to arrest them, and in that case, chances are we'd get our fingers burned. But what do you think they might be, Thad? persisted Step Hen, noticing that the pilot of the expedition had as yet not given any opinion on the matter. Oh, any of the explanations you fellows have put up might cover the bill, Thad went on to say. The idea came into my mind that, perhaps now, those men might be gamefish wardens. What? gasped Bumpus. Do you mean to tell me they have such things in a big lake like this? Why, I thought they were only needed ashore where ponds and rivers require looking after. That's where you make a big mistake, Thad informed him. Right up among the Great Lakes, there are millions of dollars taken out in fish every year. And if the government didn't watch sharp, plenty of unscrupulous fishermen would use all kinds of illegal devices for getting big hauls. They're limited to certain kinds of nets or scenes, and so the precious sturgeon, and the delicious white fish that are in these lakes, will be kept from being exterminated. Thank you for telling us that, Thad. It's all news to me, said Step Hen. But what about the trout? I've heard there are awful big spreckled trout in Superior. So there are, as high as eight pounds, and the government hatchery at the Sioux has hundreds that large in their ponds for breeding purposes, I've read, Thad continued, for the topic was a favourite one with him, and he was a very accommodating boy at that that in Michigan, for instance, the law doesn't allow trout to be offered for sale or shipped. So while they catch some whoppers in the acts they use for whitefish, they have to put most of them back. And then you think that perhaps these men are wardens looking for poachers that are breaking the law some way or other, Giraffe asked. I only said that might be who they are, Thad insisted. You notice they have a high-powered boat that could make circles all around ours. They wanted to let our engine out. And it's painted black. Perhaps so they can sneak up on a dark night without being seen. But as they're two miles away from us by now, suppose we cut out talking any more about them. From the way Thad turned his eyes upward and looked at the gathering clouds, 
it was evident that he felt he had better pay attention to other matters which threatened to cause them more or less annoyance before long. The wind was certainly freshening very fast, and of necessity the waves began to take on a size that made poor Bumpus stare and look serious as he contemplated the possibility of a wreck. "'Sure you are heading right to make that cove?' Giraffe asked the skipper, who had the wheel in his charge. The engine was plodding away steadily, though some of the boys were worried at the quick whir that followed the passing of each big wave, when perhaps the propeller would be partly exposed, and the resistance, so much less that it spun around, much faster than usual. "'Yes, no doubt about it all, and if everything goes along right, we stand to make our harbour before dark comes along,' the other answered. "'Oh, I wish we were there already,' groaned Bumpus, and when Thad looked at the fat scout, he noticed how white he was. But then, that was nothing singular, for it was certainly getting pretty rough out there on that great expanse of water, and some of the scouts were sure to display signs of seasickness sooner or later, he knew. Perhaps poor Bumpus was fated to be the first victim. Well, remarked Giraffe, trying hard to appear indifferent, though he could not wholly hide his concern every time a wave larger than ordinary would slap against the side of the boat and sweep along toward the stern, causing a quiver to run all through the little craft that seemed just like a chip on that inland sea. I reckon now it would be pretty tough if we missed connections somehow and had to keep marking time all night long out on this old bathtub. Oh, murder, I hope we don't muttered Bumpus, shivering. "'Stop that kind of talk, giraffe,' ordered Thad, who would rather look on the bright side of things. "'Don't you see you're only bothering Bumpus?' "'There's no need of feeling that we're going to have trouble, because the engine is working as fine as silk right now, and I feel sure I can see where that same jolly little cove lies away ahead there.' "'You mean where that small point juts out, don't you, Thad?' asked Alan, who hovered constantly near his best churn, ready to take a hand at a second's notice, should there ever arise an occasion calling for assistance. Yes, that shows on the government chart I've marked, and the cove lies just in the shelter of it. I think a little river makes into the lake there, and if so, we might pick up some fish before starting out again. He spoke this loud enough for Bumpus to hear, but apparently... That sad individual had lost all interest in the wager he had so recently made with Giraffe, for he did not take any notice of what Thad said, only continued to look far away and press his hand up and down in the pit of his stomach. And when a boy begins to realize that he has such an organ at all, he must be in a pretty bad way. Still, the wind kept on increasing until it was blowing a small gale. Even the confident Thad felt a little nervous as he wondered what would happen should their engine suddenly give a groan and cease to labour. The situation must be anything but pleasant. Left at the mercy of the coming storm, out there a couple of miles from the southern shore, and further than that away from the lovely little cove where they had hoped to pass the night in peace and safety. The next half hour was apt to settle that matter, one way or the other, and of course Thad found no reason to despair as yet, 
for the motor kept buzzing away cheerily, and the boat pushed through the rising and falling, bellows quite sturdily, as the pilot kept her pointed towards that headland far beyond. End of chapter 7 Recording by Prattlepig